All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. This is a Web Canopy Studio production. is it going everybody welcome again to episode three tim we're already on episode three of this epic i feel like it's star wars it's so epic epic five-part series for the chicago blackhawks 2010 stanley cup winning series one goal one goal baby that's what we're calling i don't think i even mentioned that the first two episodes so one goal the reason we called it that that was their uh, mantra that's their motto i think it still is one goal they got roasted for that mantra a few years back when they made the playoffs. I don't think they scored a goal the first three games. <laughs> <laughs> and they finally got one in the fourth game or maybe the third game they finally scored a goal. But yeah, everyone's like still searching for that one goal, Hawks. But anyways, here we are. Western Conference Finals. Very exciting. Do you think they're nervous, Tim, going into this series? I think they have to be. I was just thinking about this because this is the moment where it really starts to get real, right? Winning a couple playoff series – uh, is certainly big for this team, but they were here last year, and, and the, the conference finals is where they really got put in their place. So this is where it's kind of make or break for these guys, and what kind of a group are they, and what kind of a run are they going to go on? Yeah, even just looking at the brackets, like when it starts, okay, there's 16 teams. That's, that's a lot of teams to win the Cup, but then, okay, now there's eight. Now there's four teams left. You have a 25% chance to win the Stanley Cup. All you have to do is win one more series, and you're in the Stanley Cup final. Like this is – you're exactly right. This is when it gets real. Like, there, there is a real good possibility next week you're going to be playing for the Stanley Cup. So, it, it's, it's just such a, it's such a different thing. I, I was in the Western – excuse me, the Eastern Conference Final when I was with the Rangers. And it is just completely different. Your, your mindset changes. In the first series, you're still kind of loose. You're still, like, going out a little bit, having some fun, having a couple drinks after the game. The second series, a little bit more. Once you hit the Conference Finals – it's a completely different mindset. The guys are locked in. 
it's like all or nothing. You were totally focused on winning that Stanley Cup. That's it. You go to sleep early, you wake up late, or late, wake up early, excuse me. That's all you think about. So it, it's, it's really, really a different, different vibe. And especially for the Sharks, they're the top team in the league. They're the, the big dogs. If you look at all the predictions of this series, everybody's predicting the Sharks to win in six or seven. That's going in. They have an absolutely stacked team. Absolutely stacked. Right off the bat, you're looking at arguably the best player in the league for a good 10-year period, Joe Thornton. You have Patrick Marlowe. You have Danny Heatley. You have Joe Pavelski, Logan Couture, Devin Setaguchi, Ryan Clough. Like, the list goes on and on. And that's just their forwards. Their defense, Dan Boyle, Douglas Murray, the tank. One of the most underrated defensemen I've always said throughout the show, Mark Edward Vlasic, and then Hall of Famer Rob Blake. Like, that is an unbelievable top four. Better, uh, better than the Hawks, maybe? Similar? I think the Hawks maybe have a little bit better puck movers, but it's a scary team when you're going up against those guys. So we'll get back to the Hawks. I think they're crazy nervous. I think coming into this series, they have those ghosts and skeletons in their closets from last year's playoffs. They went into the Detroit series. They were young, but they were confident. And I have a feeling they're coming into this series with some doubts. They didn't blow past the first two series like they thought they would with the Predators and the Canucks. Those are two hard-fought series. So coming into this series, well, I don't know. You're starting on the road for the first time. You're playing a team that has home ice advantage who is they, – they match up with you almost better. They're the favorites. So I don't know. Our yeah, first well, inter- well, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, that too, because I mean, the, the Blackhawks have all the talent in the world. They're just starting to flourish, and they're getting confident. But the Sharks, I mean, they're, they're well in their prime. They're roaring on all engines. They've been here before. They've done this. They've got the experience. They've got the talent. They're a well-oiled machine. And I think it, it's kind of like, you know, it's, it's, it's seeing yourselves, maybe five, seven, eight years more experienced talent, that kind of thing. So it's interesting to see, like, how does this, this young, flourishing team go up against a team that's been here before that's already the best? Um, and, you know, I would see them being nervous, and I think anyone would have picked the Sharks in, in a seven-game series here. Yeah, we'll get to um, the interview pretty quick, but I just want, like, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. These guys, Marlowe, Jumbo, they're 30 years old. Danny Healy, 29. Like, they are in their prime. This is where the Hawks hope to be in, like, four or five years. So I just think maybe the Hawks are a little nervous. I, I, don't, say, I don't think they're in, intimidated. But I do think they have that seed of doubt in the back of their head. Like, well, okay, if we don't win, I understand why. Because these guys are more experienced. They've been here before. They know how to win. And this is their time. So that excuse mechanism is, I think, in the back of their head. So with that, with that being said, let's, let's, let's move on. So our first interview is with a former Shark, Brian Campbell, Soupy my former defensive partner when we played together. I really wanted to get Soupy for this series for two reasons. A, he played for the Sharks, and him leaving San Jose was a big, big surprise. San Jose threw a ton of money at him. They wanted him to stay really bad. When he hit free agency, he was the top defenseman on the market. And when you get a guy who can move the puck, who was in the prime of his career, you want him to stay on his, your, your team. So... For him to leave San Jose, a proven winner, and to sign with the Chicago Blackhawks, 
who at that point still were a pretty garbage team. Let's be honest. They, they had some good draft picks with Kane and Taves. They still hadn't kind of made that next step. They were still a kind of afterthought when you thought of teams who could contend for the cup. So for him to leave San Jose, a proven winner, a team that was competing for the cup every single year, and sign a big eight-year deal with the Chicago Blackhawks. And mind you, the Hawks didn't give up big deals this, this time. They were still a small market team when it came to money. And it's, and it's funny to think of that way 10, year, 10 years moved on where they're giving guys massive contracts, the Canes, the Taves, the Keys, the Seabrooks, the Hosas. Soupy was the one who, who kind of started that. He was the first guy who came in there and opened up the piggy bank. He signed a $57, year, $57 million deal to kind of start this trend and, and turn the Hawks from a maybe pretender into a contender. And this is, I'm, I'm fascinated to talk to Soupy about this. So let's get to Brian Campbell. We'll touch on the series. We'll go through his background a little bit and how he got to the Hawks and why he chose the Hawks. I'm, I'm super interested to hear why he chose Chicago. So anyways, let's get to the interview. Soupy. Giving up to Matt Carl. Nice little move to get it to Pronger. Oh, man. Run into us, Billy Leno by Campbell, and he is shaken up. Wow, big time hit there by Brian Campbell, stepping up to Billy Leno in the neutral zone. All right, so 2010. I want to I wanna back it up to 2008. You're a free agent. The yeah. best free agent available on the back end. You get signed to Chicago, and I've talked to a lot of people. It was that moment that the franchise kind of switched. They had the young guys, but they never really opened their wallet. Did you know that signing there, that you were kind of changing the, the standards there, almost the mentality going there? Uh, in a way, I think, because you, 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 you talk to players previously and they didn't play there, and they're like, don't go there. You know, it's a yeah. – but when I played in San Jose, we played in Chicago um, at the end of the season. I was traded there, so I played the last, I think, 20 games in San Jose. And we came and played a game in Chicago. And it was night, the night that they brought Bobby Hall back and Stan Makita. The, the building was packed. Uh, the vibe, you know, you could just tell. But, you know, you know I still wasn't 100% certain on that all when it came to the signing day. And I, I really enjoyed San Jose. Um, I grew up with Joe Thornton. Played hockey with him growing up, um, and as you know, Johnny's one of the greatest, you know, human beings, teammates oh, out there. Yeah. So it was hard. It was hard to make that decision and not go back to San Jose. Um, it wasn't a fun. It, you know, sometimes when you're a free agent, it's not a, it's not a lot of fun. That wasn't a lot of fun. But at the end of the day, I made the right decision. I know I made the right decision to come to Chicago. And then, you know, you kind of you're like, wow, like you're seeing the feedback and they kind of bring you through the town it was pretty cool and, and exciting at the same time well it's perfect you touch on san jose so fast forward after that free agent signing two years you're playing them in the, the western conference finals yeah so that year you're the two top teams san jose wins the president's trophy like a stacked offensive talent they got pavelski thornton marlow heatley setaguchi they are loaded Everyone yep. predicting this series said Sharks and six, Sharks and seven. You guys had just swept. Gosh, who was it? Van, uh, we played Vancouver the series before and beat them, I think, it's six Four games. to one? Four to two? Yeah. So, yeah, you're, you're coming off that. San Jose just 
whipped up Detroit. What is the mindset going in, especially since San Jose just beat the doors off Detroit, who beat you guys out last year? What are you guys thinking going into that series? Yeah, well, you even rewind it after I signed in Chicago. Uh, I think San Jose the next year started off the season like 16 and 0, and I'm like, oh my, you know, like <laughs> what, what, what did I do? And we were like, kind of, I think we were around 500. But um, going into that series, uh, well, we beat Vancouver in six games, um, so we just left from Vancouver to go to uh, San Jose, and our series didn't start for five days. So we're in the hotel in San Jose. Um, there's not a lot going on in San Jose, as John knows. Um, it's a beautiful area, beautiful town. But so we were like just all together for five days in the hotel. Like as players, we practiced. We did. We had, you know, you have a lot of laughs. You enjoy it. The Blackhawks set up this whole uh, room with video games and food where you can sit there and watch hockey, kind of like you're just kind of hanging out in a locker room, in a, in a in a lot of sense. Um, so, you know, and then getting ready for the series was, you know, it was exciting. It was nerve wracking. I think nobody wanted to win more than I did. We knew how good these guys were. It was almost like the, you know, whoever wins that series is probably going to have be winning the Stanley cup in, in a lot of sense. Um, so we were just gearing up for it, but, um, we spent those, that time together and, and prepared for San Jose. So, um, and then just kind of going into the shark tank. We knew it'd be loud. We knew what we were going into. Um, and I don't know. It's just, I, I still can't believe that we beat them the way we did. Um, I know uh, game one was really close and they were all over us. And, and maybe they probably, you know, they outplayed us in certain parts of that game, but we found a way to get that first game. And then, you know, as a road team winning in a game, game one, you know, you gain a lot of confidence uh, going through that series. So who you're going in there, you're, you would say you're like a three, four D man behind dunks and Siebes. Yeah. Yeah. Who, who did you match up against? Did you, did Q say anything to you guys? Like, Hey, you're, you're going to take on Marlowe's line or you're going to take on Pavelski's line or Couture's line. Like, uh, well, Joel's big on matchups. So Duncan and Siebes were going to be taking the Thornton line. We knew that. Um, I know we had, uh, you know, you try to think back to even their second line, like Ryan Klo, um was on that. They uh, had a Pavelski. great, like, so we kinda, Gucci, like we they had a solid team. Yeah. Yeah, they were really good. Um, I guess Thornton Heatley and maybe Marlowe were kind of sometimes on their top line. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we would match up against the second. Uh, we kind of take the, the other lines, the rest of us defensemen would take the other lines on from there. So, um, I don't know. I just, I, I felt great in that suit. I knew how big it was for me. Having played there. I got booed every time I touched the puck, which was the <laughs> best thing that you can possibly get. So that was, uh, you know, I think that was, uh, it was enjoyable that way. The fans did not like me there whatsoever. So, um, I don't know. We just got going on that series. We got that game one where I don't think we played our best game, but we found ways. And I think the score was two one um, in game one. I could be totally wrong. No, but. it was two one. Game two, you guys won four to two, and then game three was the OT win. Yeah, and then we kind of uh, rolled them from there. So, but 
but winning two one and even in game two we were I think we were up four one we kind of dominated game two um you know and you know with San Jose in the past that they've had in the playoffs it's just a case of let's put some bad thoughts in their mind basically is kind of the attitude that you kind of have because you knew they were they were a great team but they were still a little fragile from from all the years previous yeah is that what the mindset was going into game three like you pretty much cracked them the first two but you did have that hiccup in a previous series where you went up and then I think it was versus Nashville where they came storming back was that in the back of your head and game three, yeah. it's like, okay, let's not let this game, happen again. Game three, if you're up 2-0, it's, it's a hard game because you're like, you kind of let up a little bit. You think you're this is going to be easy. And then you kind of forget how how much work you put into game one and two to win a series, like to win games. It's kind of a, a trap game that way. And then, you know, they're thinking if they, if, if they were to win game three, three they're you know it's two one they win the next game they're tied up they're going home so it's it's definitely a a hard mindset game for for the team that's up two games to none and that um I just look at our team and and the guys and how badly they wanted it and the leadership and, and there was just never a let up in that locker room do you remember the goal you got an assist on it no you don't remember the goal who scored it? Bufflin got it. Jeez. I'm so bad with this stuff, John. I just, like, I don't remember, like, some things. It's so bad. Bufflin got it. Assist from you and Bully. Okay. I, you don't I, remember I just that? Watched, I just watched the series, too. On um, They played, played all the series here on Comcast. And so I watched all the games going going through the whole playoffs again. I do remember parts of it, but I'm bad that way. So I'm watching it right now. It's a puck comes around, rims around. You dump it in. Bully gets it behind the ice, behind the net, and out to Bufflin in front. So you kind of just rimmed it around in the offensive zone, and Bully grabbed it behind the net. And he did That's a, why I don't remember it. I didn't do anything. Well, you got an assist. Those are the best kind of assists. How can you not remember that? That's, I just wanted to win that game. How can I not remember a dump in? <laughs> <laughs> well, it wasn't Thanks, a dump. You, you kept it in. What a oh. great play. What an all-star play. I do remember that. I do remember it a little bit, but I don't think that was an all-star play. One of your guys shot it wide, Versteeg or somebody, and you kind of ripped it back behind the net. And Bully, nice pass to Buff in the middle. You were just – how many – yeah, what a goal. So <laughs> – did you know after that game three you guys were going to win that series? Was um, it game over? Lights out? No, I don't think it's game. I don't know. We just never thought of that mindset. We, I don't think you thought of it as game over, but you felt like you had them pretty good and felt like that they were hopefully ready to fold the tent in a little bit. Um, you know, that's kind of the aspect that we were probably looking at. Okay, these guys hopefully – they fold it in, but, you know, you still got to put that work in and, and grind through it and, and get that series done because we had played, you know, two games, six-game series before that, and it's never beneficial to go too long in the Stanley Cup playoffs. I know more teams, Boston's gone seven games, I think three or four times to do that in the playoffs, but it's not a beneficial thing to play too many games more than you have to in the playoffs. We talked about, the you know, Marion Hosted just went into the Hall of Fame or whatever. Um, we played, it was actually in San Jose, we played and it was, um, 
the 2010 year we had signed uh, Hosa that summer, and he had uh, he had to have surgery on his shoulder, so he was out for I don't know probably the first 40 games of the season, maybe 45 games, and he came back and played in San Jose. Um, he had two goals that game, and you know, like I know Marion Hosa is a good player until you play with him and then see more and see it on an everyday basis. Then you're, we were just like, we were, everybody on the bench was jaw was on the, like, like leaning on the bench because he scored the second goal was a breakaway. He scored in the first period and then he scored again. Um, it would have been in the second period on a breakaway. And it was so easy and effortless. We're like, wow, we just, we had a good team and now we're picking up this guy. It was after that, I just felt like the team just was climbing at a at an all-time pace and and just wasn't going to be stopped. And, um, yeah, I know everybody in that locker room knows his first game was in San Jose and when it was and what happened and, and the breakaway goal. It was just like we were all just laughing on the bench. He, he went down. I think he scored five hole in the back off, and we are just like, almost like giggling, like, oh, wow, this guy's on our team now. It was, it was crazy. That's pretty funny. So, oh, gosh, I can't even imagine getting him, like, a, a late-season pickup. When you – so you win the Western Conference Finals. Did you guys pick the trophy up? Were you guys superstitious? I can't remember. Uh, I don't – no, we didn't pick it up then, no. No, we did okay. not. Jonathan didn't, but I think after that – I think in the following years, obviously, I wasn't there, but he might have then, but that year he did not. How was the plane ride back? Uh, plane ride, you know what? We were so all business at that time. It was good. It wasn't anything um, crazy. I think uh, I think the year prior when we made our run to the conference finals, it was almost like uh, even when I was in Buffalo, I felt like we celebrated the rounds too much. It was just yeah. like – it was just like – and in this team, it was just almost like, okay, we got a lot of business left to do. So it wasn't, you know, it, we weren't complete or we weren't happy. It was kind we of a team like that. Yeah, yeah, where some teams are satisfied. Um, we weren't satisfied at that point. So it was, it was still like, you know, a lot of the business left to do and, and work at it. And I think we probably stayed over – no, game four was in Chicago. So Oh, that's right. Sorry. Just, yeah, it was in Chicago. So it was just – it was just kind of uh, get fueled up, get ready to go, take a day off, and get ready for the next series. So you're a vet by that point. You've been to the playoffs a bunch of times. You've had, you know, defeat, heartbreaking defeat. Do you say anything to the guys? Like, listen, I know what it feels like to go through this and not follow through, or does you just kind of go about your business? Uh, basically go about my business. I kind of, you know, you talk a little bit about, you know, the Buffalo series that we had, and, you know, I – the one thing I, I do remember is uh, I had a teammate once. It was like, you know, we lost in seven games to Carolina and Buffalo. And it was like, oh, we were so close. And it was like, but at the end of the day, you have to win. We had to have won, won five more games to win the Stanley Cup. Mm-hmm. Seems like a small amount, but it seems like a lot too, especially when it's playoff hockey. So it was kind of like, you know, yeah, we got to still win four more games or even going through the San Jose series. It's like, okay, we still got to win quite a few more games here to, to, to win it all. So I think kind of that always kind of hung in my mindset a little bit where even going in the Stanley Cup final, it's just like, okay, we got a, we got a lot of work left to do to, to win this and, and to get the job done. 
We'll be right back with more One Goal on Dropping the Gloves. This series is brought to you by Manscaped, the best grooming tool out there. They offer precision engineered tools for you. They have obsessed over their technology, their developments to provide you with the absolute best tools for your grooming. Now you wanna talk about grooming. I have a large body to groom. And when I say large, I mean from top to bottom. And this tool, I got it a few weeks back. It is a game changer. I used to have the old school that just you could hear from three towns over. It was so loud. This one is super quiet. It trims my ears, the insides, the outsides, the back. I have hair all over my ears. It gets my neck nice and clean, my shoulders, my chest. Like it is a game changer when it comes to cleaning yourself up. I, I came out of the room the other day after cleaning myself up. My wife said, John, whoa, what's different? Like, hey, what, am, what can I say? Manscaped, they hooked me up. Not only did I look good, but Manscaped, in order for me to look good, they spent the last 18 months developing the perfect tool and they named it the Lawnmower 3.0. Let me tell you about this little tool. It has a ceramic blade to reduce cuts, which is huge. I, I, I don't know about you, but every time I'm done grooming, I have little nicks and cuts all over my body. So just that in itself, you had me, you had me at hello. But it, in addition to that, they have a battery that lasts up to 90 minutes. When I'm on the road doing an event or when I played, I would be in the middle of shaving my beard and my buzzer would crap out. And I'd be like, what do I do? I don't have anything else. I don't have a charger. Like how, how do I get out of this situation? If I would have had a tool that lasts 90 minutes, I would have never had that issue. In addition to that, it's water resistant. You could bring it in the shower, get your hair nice and soft and malleable. It just cuts it right off. They have an LED light so you can see what you're doing. The motor is 7,000 RPMs. That's insane. That's like a motorbike. It has a cool little charging stand. You throw it on the countertop. It looks like a piece of art. Everyone's like, what is that thing? It's like, oh, it's my grooming tool. No big deal. All that. And then guess what? You don't even have to pay full price for this thing. If you go to manscaped.com today, you will not only get this great lawnmower 3.0 or whatever else you order. They have so much stuff on their website. You get 20% off and free shipping. Isn't that crazy? Now you only get this if you use promo code JohnScott20. So go to manscaped.com, enter promo code JohnScott20 and you get 20% off, you get free shipping. And as a little bonus, as a little carrot, to dangle in front of you animals because I know you like more and more and more the first 25 people who use promo code John Scott I will personally send you an autographed picture maybe a hat or a shirt something cool to kind of spice up this deal a little bit more if it are if it already wasn't hot enough I'm going to add a little cayenne pepper in for you but in order to get that deal you, you have to enter promo code John Scott 20 and send me the receipt, either DM me or email me or use my website. Just get it to me somehow with proof. And the first 25 people that do that, I will personally send you something. Myself, I will write you a little thank you card because this is how much I believe in this product. It's so cool. So let me wrap this up. You go to manscaped.com. You order something. You use promo code JohnScott20. You get 20% off your whole order. You get free shipping. When you're done with that, you shoot me the receipt that says you use my promo code. I will personally send you something. Myself, me, John Scott. You just give me your address, give me the receipt, and I'll send it wherever you are in the whole world. That's a guarantee. The first 25 people. So do it quick because I guarantee you after this episode, there will be hundreds of people trying to get this little gifty poo and this lawnmower 3.0. So anyways, go to manscaped.com and use promo code John Scott 20 to get yourself a sweet little gift. Cheers, everybody. Great stuff from Brian Campbell. I mean, that, that's one of the best interviews I think we've done. It, it's so fascinating. He's such a nice, normal guy, but so well-spoken. And you wouldn't really, 
you know, think about it from talking to him, but he was just so, so talented. He's such a humble guy. Um, and it was funny, kind of funny to hear him how just being booed in San Jose. They had no love for him after he left town. Um, and you can totally see why. So, and now we're going to hear from Coach Q. Again, it's always interesting to see how a guy like him game plans, how he goes into the series. How do you shut down a guy like Joe Thornton? Just put up 100 points pretty much every year. You got guys like Marlowe and Healy, who are just two of the purest goal scorers in the league at this point. And how do you plan on getting behind their defense and getting pucks on net when their defense is so strong, like we said? So it's great to hear uh, how Coach Q planned for the series. So without any further ado, Coach Q, you're up. So you take care of Vancouver four to two. What are you and the coaches saying in the coaching room? You crack it, you crack a pop. You've just won. You just won two series. Is there any conversation like, holy cow, like we, we got a, we got a chance here. Cause you want to cup with Colorado. Was there any kind of similarities with that team and the Hawks? Like, is there any forward thinking like fellas like this is, we, we got a good thing going. Well, prior year certainly helped us be in that spot, knowing that a heck of an accomplishment getting the conference finals back-to-back years. Um, I, I think we we stayed out uh, in Vancouver, went to San Jose um, in that series, uh, and uh, you know got off when I, when I think back to that series. Uh, you know, I, I don't think you want to look too far ahead. Our group has uh, had a pretty good attitude as far as where we're at. I don't think we're you know, I think we're, we don't get cocky. I don't think we got ahead of ourselves. I think we're a pretty, uh, pretty level group. Um, I thought our, our guys kind of push each other in a real good way. Um, I think there's still competitiveness for uh, guys. It's, it was an amazing group. Everybody wanted to play. We'd always had tough decisions on who wasn't going to play and uh, who was deserving to play and the guys that were playing uh, the, and how much they're going to play. And I think everybody, you know, always wanted more. And I, I don't, I've never coached a player that didn't want to play more for sure. But uh, these guys were playing and uh, uh, from series to series, you know, I think we're really excited about the chance to uh, go the next step from the prior year. So, yeah, you played the Sharks. They just beat the Red Wings. Like they, they worked them. I think they beat them four to one. Was there any concern playing the Sharks, because you did pretty well against them during the season. They had the big guy, Jumbo, obviously, Patty Marlowe. They had Cooch. I played for San Jose, so I know how good they can be. You guys swept them for nothing. Like, it wasn't even – I don't want to say a challenge, but you you handled them pretty well. Like, it's it's amazing. How, what was your strategy going into that one? Because it didn't seem like you guys even broke a sweat. Well, it's never as easy as it looks. When we when I look back in that series, we're fortunate in a lot of ways. Um, I think the scoring chances were probably even. It was a dead even series. I thought uh, we scored a lot of timely goals, got some early leads. Um, you know, I, I thought our goaltending was uh, was excellent. Uh, could have been a difference in that series. And uh, you know, getting that early lead, getting two games in San Jose, coming home. Uh, you know the, the you know the noise and the, the excitement in the city you could fit, feel it sense it uh, you know the guys were in a really good spot and um, took advantage of it, some real close games as well though when we went back the score of that series isn't anywhere indicative of how close it was it was a lot closer than uh, than it was it wasn't it wasn't an easy series yeah the games were 2-1 there was an overtime game 4-2 4-2 but I think Again, that experience might come into play where when you get in those situations, did you have certain guys that you could trust? If you're up one or down one, you knew you're going to throw out Bully 
or like you said, it was a shorthanded goal versus Nashville. You threw Kaner out. Did you have certain guys who you trusted? Like, I'm going to throw you out more in this situation. Well, we had, we had uh, you know, Krugs. We had some checkers. We had some guys that, uh, you know, played on a more of a defensive type of role. But uh, Johnny's line a lot of times had uh, would play in, in those quality situations on the defensive side of things. And, uh, you know, Kaner, Kaner, I think, really matured each and every year as far as uh, his attention to playing uh, without the puck in his own end. Um, you know, so it's almost like our group. I was comfortable just about no matter who against who at any time of the game on the defensive side of things. And that's a pretty good situation as a coach when you, when you, you got that uh, trust uh, across the board. I want to ask about uh, game four. Duncan Keith takes a stick to the face and loses a whole bunch of teeth. I mean, talk about hockey tough. I think he was gone for five or ten minutes and came back out with some quick dental work. I mean, one, do you remember what, like, what do the trainers tell you? Like, what do they do back in the, in the dressing room to, to fix that? And then, I mean, as a coach, like, how, how much does it matter to have guys who will just play through injuries like that? Well, it's a great – he's a competitor. Uh, Dunks loves to play, wants to be on the ice. Um, when he took that shot, he said, oh, gee, this could be serious. And then uh, you lose Dunks for an extended period of time, comes back, plays great, dominates. I think it was an afternoon game. Um, and Dunks is uh, – you know, he's uh, – he was, he was very important for our team as well as uh, knowing that he played all the big minutes and matchups and, and uh, you know, teams would try to get after him, try to wear him down uh, and, and look at different series, uh, how, how big an influence he was. But uh, that was one uh, situation that did stick out. Uh, him coming out of that situation and, and getting out there playing almost uh, every other shift as well the rest of the game and, uh, and – uh, and was great doing it too. So, you know, Dunks played hurt a lot of times. Uh, you know, he, he never complained um, and still played 30 minutes a lot of nights. Yeah, he averaged 30 minutes a game. That's crazy. Like him and Steve's, what a luxury to have a pairing like that to be like, yeah, just take up, take up half the game, you guys. We'll, we'll, fig <laughs> we'll figure out the other half. And how much, like, how much does it rally the boys when they see him coming out of the tunnel, which is, you know, is just purple mouth, but he, he played anyway. Uh, I think the, you know, the guys have an appreciation dunks uh, is well liked by his teammates. And, uh, you know, I think as, as a group, uh, we know it's playoff hockey and you know, there's sacrifices that are going to be necessary. And, and then you can see him come out uh, in that environment knowing that, Hey, I'm not, I'm not going to miss this, you know? So that's kind of the dunks anyways, but that uh, you know, it shows that uh, no matter what time he's going to do whatever it takes to win and, uh, and help his team teammates. Yeah, I wouldn't expect anything else. I, I would be a little more concerned if he didn't come out because, like, that guy, you'd have to drag him off the ice. He's just – I play with a lot of players, and he's something special, that guy. Yeah, so, not a big guy, but, uh, you know, you're not going to get him off his game. No, not at all. I, I He scared me playing against him. He goes crazy sometimes. He's like, okay, just give him some space. Don't go near him. He, like, he – that guy just created his own space. That was cool. It, it was, he's such a, he just really thinks about things and he, and he lets the players, like I said before, have a little rope. What I thought was interesting about this series is the prior series, you only really had to key on a few guys to shut down those teams with the sharks. You really couldn't key on one or two guys. It they had a, a solid team up and down. Even their fourth line was a productive fourth line with Tory Mitchell, Scott nickel and Jamie McGinn. Like those are good players. So you can't just say, okay, shut down Jumbo, shut down Marlowe, shut down Heatley. Because then you're going to have to deal with Pavelski, Couture, and Setaguchi. Like, you had a solid lineup, and 
for a coach, then you get into the chess match of matching lines, you know, who you're going to try to get against who this and that. And it just is really, really, and I know the, the Hawks had a deep lineup, so that might've helped in their favor, but this is when really coaching comes into play the chess match during the game on the ice when you're live, who's going, who's not going. And they shut him down. I'm telling you what, Joe Thornton got one assist this series. He was dash five. Like this guy is a perennial MVP candidate. He's a first ballot hall of famer. And this is the biggest stage. And you let limit him to one assist and minus five. Like that is, that is glaring. That is a massive, massive stat. So they, he obviously outdid himself that series. Coach Q is, he's a genius. He really is. He doesn't get, well, maybe he does get his due. He's making 10 schmill a year in Florida right now. So he does get his due, but he coached a masterful series and to beat the best team in the league four straight. And they weren't blowouts. Like mind you, it was two to one, four to two, three, two in overtime and four to two with an empty netter. Like these are close games, but to, to win four straight, that's not nothing. Like that's a pretty impressive thing to do, especially when you were not favored in any of these games. So I know kudos to coach Q and great interview. Very interesting stuff. Super, super good. Tim, what do you think? No, I think you hit the nail on the head. So what's up next, John? We got the Stanley cup final. We got, we got the creme de la creme. So when you think of the Stanley cup final for the Chicago Blackhawks, 2010, who do you think about? I think about a guy who scored one of the most famous hockey goals of all time. When you think about winning a Stanley cup, when you're in your backyard, when you're role-playing, it's always Game 7, overtime, right? Winning the Stanley Cup. This one wasn't quite Game 7. It was Game 6, overtime, Patrick Kane. We got Patty Kane on this episode, right? Like, come on, give it to me. We got <laughs> number 88, Patrick Kane, in the next episode. Like, if, if you don't listen to the next episode, I don't know what's wrong with you. You're not a hockey fan. You're not alive. You have no pulse. So, I hope everyone's doing well. And I expect you to tell all your friends and your relatives and your enemies and people you don't even know. Just tell them on the street. You need to listen to episode four of this 2010 Stanley Cup docuseries that John Scott's doing because it, it's going to be an insane episode. It's going to be great. And I am so looking forward to it. So anyways, hope everyone's doing good. Stay safe. And we'll see you next time for Patty Kane in episode four. Cheers. <laughs>